0: Welcome back to the Healing with Xenodyne podcast. Today we're going to do something very different. I was recently asked by some of my collaborators to come on their podcast. We're going to air that episode here in its entirety. We talk about life. I submit for your approval episode number 32 of the RDQI podcast. Enjoy.
1: This is RDQI.
2: What makes us do the things that we do? Sounds simple enough, but how often do you really consciously think about what drives your actions day to day? Today we're bringing back our good friend Garrett, who probably thinks more about this than anybody I know. In both his personal and professional life, he's really focused on this idea of mindfulness, and the insight that he brings to this question is outstanding. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And If you like what you hear and want to hear more about what Garrett's up to, stay tuned to the end of the show to hear where you can find him. Ryan, how do you decide what to do?
1: Yeah, okay. Um, well, obviously, if I'm not just reacting to something, because um, that would be probably a different reaction. You know, like if someone were to throw a... I don't know, a knife at me. I probably wouldn't think about why I got out of the way. I'd just get out of the way. It'd probably be even a subconscious behavior, honestly. But if it's like thinking about what I want to do and then deciding and acting upon that? I mean, I have a, you know, I have a moral and ethical code, a worldview, a way to see the world and how to treat other people. And most of my actions are towards other people. Um, Even if I'm alone at the moment, it generally is for someone. You know, I might be preparing food for the next day. I might be alone at that time. But I'm preparing it in mind for for the people I'll be sharing it with, you know, and their considerations, their concerns, dietary restrictions, you name it. So, you know, not to sound too uh, gloss over that, but I think there's a, a code built into me of how to live life. And that's been learned... I mean, I was taught that from my parents and so many people in my life growing up until this moment, and it's constantly changing.
2: You know, this sounds very much like the way we ended our last podcast with our current Mm -hmm. uh, guest. Welcome back, Garrett. Yeah, thank you. Um, And, you know, obviously you'll have probably, I mean, you know, Ryan, what you said about having your actions motivated by, by others, if I can kind of summarize that very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to hear your take because you think of, about this a lot differently than a lot of people.
0: Hmm. How I choose what to do every day. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I identify with a lot of what Ryan said. Uh, we all have these value systems that, come into us through our interaction with the world. Um, I've been talking a lot on my own podcast, Healing with Zenodyne podcast, uh, about tuning yourself up, you know, like polishing your body, polishing your mind and polishing your spirit even. And when that happens, things come together in your life in in little ways and in big ways, but... It's often. Things come together often and shine in a way that they wouldn't have come together and shined if you hadn't tuned up your body, your mind, and your spirit. And when you do that, avenues open that allow you to see how to do good in the world uh, in ways that you could not see before, that were not open to you. Um, So in my life, I find right now that I am doing a lot of good work right now. Um, there's been periods in my life when I haven't been doing this much good work and I don't think it was through any fault of my own intention. It wasn't that I didn't want to be doing good work. It just was not open mm, to me yeah, yet, yeah, yeah. you know?
2: I, so I, I kind of want to ask what, what do you mean by polishing your mind, polishing your body? Mm, How that's... do you open yourself up to that, uh?
0: It's a good question. Uh, so I've had a bunch of different types of healers on my podcast, and that's pretty much they tell me what they, type of thing they do, and then I put them on the microphone, and I say, cool, well, I'm a person who wants to become better in my life, and let's say I know nothing, and I want to come do your thing, which you happen to be a transformational breath worker, so where do I start? And then they tell me how to start transforming my life. And a lot of them say, uh, well, first of all, sleep well, eat well, journal. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the first thing. And frankly, the Eightfold Path of Yoga is the ultimate summation of how to polish the body, mind, and spirit. And it starts with polishing the way you interact with the outside world, which is like non-stealing, non-violence, you know, just Mm -hmm. do good, be truthful to the outside world, like Ryan was talking about. Um, And then you go to the inside world and like meditate and breath work and take care of like the inside and then you're ready for the third step which is the asanas stretching what we in the western world think of as yoga it's just (laughs) the third step what they call it exercise (laughs) yep (laughs) for real i found that out and laughed so much yeah um but as you go around this wheel, you start to get, once you get past the, uh, the asanas, then you get into, like, the serious contemplation and inner understanding and recognition of oneness with the universe. And it's not like, oh, I'm one with the universe. It's like, grab this rosary, basically, and run it around. It's called a mala. And say, I am one with the universe all 88 times and do that five times a day for the rest of your life. And now you're at step six, mm-hmm. you know and then you go to step seven which is bringing all of it together and you get to the crown chakra which is samadhi like liberation uh, you know connectedness oneness and enlightenment yeah well i I was talking to tina gary one of the xenodyme crew on the podcast and uh, there's actually a little clip on youtube called um i think it's polishing your pyramid getting your pyramid in order get your pyramid in order because basically the first limb is like a box that big old rectangular box on the ground, it's thin, it doesn't go up very high and the next one's like a little higher and you build this pyramid as you go around the Eightfold Path. Uh, Each one gets like more complex, it's almost like a fractal pattern that gets higher vibration, uh, more edges, points, more uh, color as it goes up and once you stack them well you get to the top and you get this pinnacle of light, this jewel and that's like your true self, your true polished self. And uh, flow state all the time. Someone says I'm suffering, and you hold their hand and you help them immediately, and say exactly what you need to say because you're clear, you're polished up. Mm. You know, you can't polish up your spirit at the top of the pyramid if you haven't done the easy work of your body yet. I shouldn't say easy, but the low, the lower work of your body. Mm. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful image, almost like a prismatic light going through a prism and how you refine that mm-hmm. by the shape of the prism uh-huh. itself.
0: And seeing seeing it brings you closer to it. You know.
1: Yeah.
2: Can you can you maybe give an example or some examples of how how being at the top, how having that clarity at the top of that pyramid, mm-hmm. allows you to do what you said, right? Produce the good
0: work. And yeah, how absolutely. is
2: that how is that yeah. um, muted or um, uh, you know halted Easy. at yeah, the lower I level? I got
0: you. Yeah. Let's say I'm working with someone on a project and we are teaching science to little kids and we're arranging an event that's supposed to be for a hundred kids and I need that person to do this specific task and they mess it up because they weren't paying attention. You know, if I'm not totally polished up, I'm going to lose energy to frustration and anger Mm -hmm. and maybe say something to that person that they don't need to hear instead of just the one encouraging word of like, here's the solution to this problem and move on, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that if I don't say the right thing there, or what I will call the right thing, you can call it what you want. If yeah. I don't say the light highest thing I'm capable of saying, saying, anything I say will have ripples all the way down into that project, into those hundred kids' lives, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. No, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, mm-hmm. I can't tell you. I think every major faith has a tenet of basically honor your word and, and mm-hmm. actually say what you mean um, and mean what you say.
0: And spend time contemplating God and really connect mm-hmm. with the universe. You call it what you will, but they all have this like, oh no, okay, you've got to, the serious, to this specific age, it is time to begin your serious contemplation of your position and connection to the universe. They just call it God. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful.
2: So at the top of the pyramid, what, what is the force behind the do or behind the action? Uh, And how is that different from when you're at the bottom, right?
0: Great great question. And uh, again, I find it to be an easy answer because I'm pretty (laughs) polished up right now with everything that's going on in my life. Um, When you're at the lower pyramids, your Mm -hmm. ego is a lot more present, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, You feel detached from the universe. I have uh, one of my songs, um, and when you're feeling separate, that's the darkness. Because you're not separate. (laughs) You're the universe, you know? Uh, When you go all the way up, the illusion of being separate it just totally disappears and you feel so connected that everything you do is not like oh I'm making Garrett Ray's life better like no it's this is the thing the Mm -hmm. only the universe is the thing this is the place this is the thing there's only one thing this is it and I'm here to do whatever comes out when I'm at the top of the pyramid and polished and it seems pretty obvious as the moments come it's hard to forecast, but it is easy to show up and be present and do Mm. good.
2: So do you, do you see what you do as a a conscious decision where you have a decision to make and you make choice A or B, or do you feel like there is no decision?
0: Uh, There has been decision at times uh, because it's a road, you know, and uh, tell you the truth right now, everything seems so obvious to me what the right thing to do is that my calendar's just so full that like uh, when I make a decision it's usually because I really can't like I could go do that but it would just make everything so much more difficult that it's like outside the proportional value that I can allow for that time you know like I would have to drive I could have done it with 15 miles of driving but because something else moved I could do do it now but it's 150 miles of driving and it's just like well (laughs) so at those times I make decisions to not do it and I feel the relief and opportunities disappear and doors close you know Um, sure but it's an interesting question to ask because I laugh because it, the answer feels like, no, I don't feel like I'm making a bunch of decisions to make the Ninja Science Academy and teach science to kids and, you know, Mary Shivani, all of it, none of it feels like, huh, all right, I wonder if I should, like, not even for a second.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's it's interesting because I, um, definitely not to the same extent, but I mean, for... In earlier periods of my life, I felt much more wrapped up in decision-making and um, I would second-guess decisions a lot, right? Um, whereas now, I, I feel, perhaps to a lesser exp- extent, but I, I feel e- exactly kind of intrinsically what you just said. There is a decision point, but there is, you know, I've really worked a lot in the last couple of years quieting the noise and really listening to what is pulling me in that direction. And when I follow that direction, it's, it's wonderful for whatever reason, if I say, I know that feels right, but I'm going to do the other thing. That's when the, you know, the dissonance just comes and it doesn't leave. And it was, you know, that clearly was not the right decision to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is, in, in my mind, at least there is a, it's almost like there, there is a decision, but there is a, a path that you're being sort of pulled towards. Mm, Um, I don't think many people feel that way in their daily lives. You know, I think people are are really stressed about decisions. I think that's really the most Mm -hmm. stressful part of life for a lot of
1: people. I think it would probably depend on what level of decisions you're making. If you're making decisions that are, you know, to bring in like Maslow's hierarchy needs, if they're at the bottom, you know, shelter, if you have to make decisions to find shelter, I mean, it's going to be hard to break out of that mindset. And if you're if you're living in that mindset for years, decades, I mean, you know, it's going to take someone yep. to come alongside you and really help you get out of that, you know? So I think yeah. well, everyone's experience is unique and different in the world, like we're talking about. And some people, unfortunately, their experience is not nearly as fortunate as some other people's. Not to say that yeah. um, if you're having a bad time that, you can just sink down and say, well, I'm have my, the events around me are causing the problem. Because no, as an individual, you still have a choice how to react to the events. And I think that's kind of the key, is how you... Life happens, right? And you get to choose how to react to it, but you also get to think how to change it in the future.
0: Well, that's one of the places where do and action becomes a fractal, uh, because you have your experiences in the world and something happens in your brain and you have an immediate reaction to it, like you were talking about the knife being thrown earlier. Um, But then you have your training and your polishing, Mm -hmm. how much time you've spent on self-care, looking inwards, meditating, like doing the yoga that makes your body strong so your mind can be strong, so your spirit can be strong. Then when you get a curveball or a knife thrown at you, your inner dialogue and your inner workings, the inner mechanics of your brain grapples so much better with the stress, it can melt away and disappear in no time at all. And the impact of the stressful experience on your life can be functionally minimized um, by way of inner action, like inner being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Yeah, it's uh, that that controlled reaction, I guess, or which which I think it even kind of... It's, there's a, there's a controlled conscious reaction and there's a control that can even transfer down to your subconscious reaction. Um, you know, think of, of anger, right? A lot of times anger responses, you know, a split second after the anger response, we feel guilt for having let that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, having reacted in that way. Mm.
0: Um, and then how long does it take to. Forgive yourself for the guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the next step. And That's then you get the angry at yourself because you can't yeah.
1: forgive yourself for feeling guilty. Yeah.
0: And it gets spiraled. Right, like yeah, but it's proportionally a smaller wave, and then you feel guilty and smaller, and then you forgive that, and it's almost like a little... You guys see the slow motion video of water bouncing, like a water droplet yeah. hitting, making a ripple. It absorbs most of it, catapults a proportionally smaller drop into the air. That comes down, hits, bounces on the water. Then the meniscus, like... Uh, the surface tension becomes, I guess it would be the surface tension becomes, uh, is overcome by the strength of the meniscus pulling. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then it just catapults up another smaller ball and it just slowly yeah. ripples away. Uh, that does happen with emotions. That happens when someone, like you're teaching a child, like, thank you. And he looks at you and you thank you. And you're like, oh, well, thank you for saying thank you. And, like, thank, you. and like, thank you. And you're like, thank you for saying thank you, <laughs> thank, you thank you, thank you, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess, go ahead. Garrett, I'm,
1: I'm kind of curious because you know, obviously anger, I think everyone, anyone listening is like, yeah, no one wants to be angry. Is there ever a point mm. in your opinion where you think an overabundance of joy can be a hindrance?
0: That's a very interesting question. Thank you for asking that. Let me, let's see. Um, I could see it disconnecting you from society, you know. Um, but that is not a function of the joy. That's a function of what you've done with it, you know. So mm. I think you can polish up and manage any waterfall of joy and still be connected to the society. I don't see why you wouldn't. But I see do see places where the old uh, adage of too much of anything is, you know, too much. Um, yeah. What do you think?
1: I mean, it's caught me out before in the sense of, like, I might be overly joyful and then I miss um, important cues, social cues, and then I misspeak. Mm. Um, You know, I could be having a great day and I could, uh, you know, like, best day of my life situation. I just feel like I'm floating. Like, I don't even walk. I just kind of, my Mm -hmm. body is just transported between places. That You know, that that sense of that feeling. And I could Mm -hmm. could miss, uh, totally miss the fact that someone is in real hurt and actually needs help Mm -hmm. and then I might slip I might carelessly let some words fall off my lips. And that could really sink that person even further. And then compound that with the fact that I'm showing this exuberance joy and they're in the depths of despair. So I think I think it's possible, but I think you know, I yeah, it's I mean that's obviously hypothetical. You know, we're kind of talking in in intangibles in that sense, but
0: Well, it was a good hypothetical. It was a good hypothetical, though, because I found myself getting ready to say, like, oh, and you are supposed to walk through the world and hold your joy carefully under your tongue for fear of offending some casual wanderer. Like, no way. Um, But someone who genuinely needs help and you're too busy skipping along, enjoying the sunshine, uh, I still have a tough time vilifying you for that.
2: Isn't maybe it's a maybe it's a, a difference between joy experienced at the lower the bottom of the pyramid and joy experienced at the higher end of the pyramid. Mm. If you're joyful because you just you know won the lottery, well that's a very selfish joy, right? <laughs> that's not a joy for the universe. That's a joy for you and your ego. At the top, you can be joyful on a beautiful day, and I I feel like that joy put into the universe will always be a net positive. Hmm. Somebody might be having a terrible day next to you, but because you are experiencing joy not in a selfish way, because if you're experiencing a beautiful day at the top of your pyramid, you you almost would look at that person and your joy would cause you to identify with their pain and and to bring them in and say, "Hey, you know, what's what's how can I help you with my with my joy. It's almost, it's a, it's a selfless joy where you mm. want to spread it to as many people as possible.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. Or
1: uh, or even I, willing to leave your joyful state to go grieve with someone, you know, to make right. that choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes,
0: huh. absolutely. I have a couple good friends that I've seen do that very well. I, uh, I want to test this idea in a different direction. Um, the first po- first Healing with Zenodyne podcast was with Sahil Bhutani, Shivani's little brother, and he asked me so many good questions. And we got to one point of uh, being present, you know. Uh, and he's like, what, is, what would it look like to be 100% present in the moment? And I, I feel, really do feel like that would be akin to being hypnotized. If you are 100% present in any given moment, you should be like jaw dropped to the ground, brain scrambled with awe because of how amazing everything is, you know. Um, You should not be able to communicate, understand my voice, like, any of it. It should be akin to, like, the highest, you know, possible ecstasy experienced by the brain. And I think I want to test joy in the same way. I want to picture someone sitting and meditating and releasing uh, and experiencing the very highest experience of meditative ecstasy and oneness with the universe, true moksha, liberation, like, they are gone. You know, and they're sitting there meditating. They're not going to be able to help this person who needs help, but they're still putting out these joyous vibrations into the world and setting an example and being an experience, you know. And really, this person who needs help is just another boop. It's just me. It's still me, guys. Don't worry, Mm. you know. (laughs) It's uh, so like, I don't think that you can have so much joy in the world, in yourself, and be skipping through the world and really. I, I think it's okay I don't I don't think it's a problem I think bring the joy share the joy if you miss the opportunity to help do it next time
2: yeah I think that's I, I believe it's a metaphor um or a story from some form of Buddhism where you know Siddhartha is sitting under the um, the tree in a state of just pure unconscious bliss and and there's you know wanderers will come by wrapped up in their own worldly sorrows and just sit next to them and and he's radiating this you know this calmness or sereneness i think i don't know if that's a it's it's maybe a story that's been we can all all do
0: that (laughs) we can all do that
2: um so maybe edit that part out that
0: was pretty terribly described no i like it it's beautiful (laughs) we can all do that Yeah,
1: i mean whether or not yeah that is true to the Buddhist scriptures and their faith, I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I think that's—because that is an interesting sentiment that I'm—my understanding of Buddhism is incomplete entirely. But my sense is that mm-hmm. there is there is a goal of actually kind of vacating those emotions um, and leaving them oh, behind. Oh, Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. You're but supposed the, to the yeah, you itself, get rid of suffering is. by
0: getting rid of desire, you know, and the desire is the foundational thing attached to the ego. You only want things to satisfy the the ego, frankly. Um, so, yeah, it is the the four wheel. I like the fourfold wheel. It's uh, <clears throat> to live is to suffer. Uh, suffering is caused by desire. To end desire, follow the eightfold path, you know, basically. Um, I changed it to to live is to suffer. To suffer well is to learn, to learn is to grow, and to grow is to live. I like. And to that. live is to suffer. To suffer is to learn. To learn is. to... Get.
2: Ooh, yeah. I like that. To suffer well. Uh-huh. I've never heard described that way, but that just instantly resonates with me. I right on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The greatest. The greatest lessons I've learned have been through. You know. Good suffering.
1: Hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Not. It's usually not very welcome <laughs> at first in my life. I'm just like, really this is happening, but then, but then (laughs) if I remember to breathe and remember Mm. that, you know, this is just a moment it's passing. It definitely gets better. Definitely. I mean, I was, Mm -hmm. man, I learned this from my dad, but you got to find the silver lining. Like even the worst Mm. thing in the Mm -hmm. world is an opportunity for good to happen. So, you know, if you just get down Mm. to the dumps about it, well, yeah, it's going to get worse. Or you can, again, reset, refocus, or however, whatever mantra you want to use to retool your mind to actually move forward through that experience and to Mm -hmm. suffer well through it. I love that, Gary. That's really good. So, yeah, Mm. I'm hearing that.
0: Right on. Right on. That's how you generate momentum.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because the
0: suffering well almost is like, huh. It's funny, it's kind of like rolling with the punches. If you don't suffer yeah. well, you get punched in whatever the opposite direction of the punch was you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: so so let me ask you practically speaking, um because i, I you know, I, I've kind of gotten myself to a point where when when I'm in a terrible situation, even if I don't know what the silver lining is, I have already suffered well enough that I basically. I already know there is a silver lining and I know that in the moment I don't know what it is but I tell myself oh this really sucks but something amazing is going to come out of this I don't know what it is but even that is just helpful enough to you know for me to keep my eyes open during the suffering instead of just, you know, venting and it's just such a healthier way to deal with it. Yeah. You obviously do that very well. How
0: do you do that? Well, Cool. Thank you. Uh, and I want to highlight a thing here because I, I did a bad version of this for a long time uh, and I just fixed it in the last like two years. Um, so there is, Experiencing something that makes you angry, sad, hurts you emotionally, whatever. There's experiencing this this experience that you need to deal with. Mm-hmm. And there's being with it truthfully and using your mind and your tools and your polished up mind, body, and spirit to to minimize the pain and put it where it belongs as fast as possible and move on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's the quick judo flip where you take the emotion and you go, I got this, wham, and you slam it on the ground or throw it over your shoulder and go, wha I'm done, cool. And then it's just like sitting way down in there and festering, and yeah. you do that enough times, and then, you know, you look back and you go, uh, I don't feel good. Right. <laughs> why, where where why did not? all this baggage you know? come from? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I thought I beat all those guys already. You know? Right. Uh, so, so um, I do want to highlight that and and just say like, don't do that. Do this other version where you, uh, Sagar Tucker said it really well. Um, the house is on fire. Go in, sit down on the couch, in amidst the burning fire, and meditate. You know, in hmm. your mind you know, when it hurts, go up in there, sit with it, you know, pull it up, journal about it. Everybody, every healer on the podcast is like, I'm like, okay, so tell me, how do I start? And they're like, journal. And I'm like, gosh, I'm terrible at that. I've tried, I can't even say I've tried so many times. I've tried five times and it always comes out sounding like old Shakespearean poetry (laughs) from the voice. I don't know where this voice is coming from, but uh, yeah, it just doesn't work for me very well. Um, but anyway, there's a whole litany of things that you do to deal with this stuff, um, and they are obvious, and you've heard them all before. What you need is how to get there, not the thing. You, know, you don't need the what, you need the how. Mm-hmm. Um, and the what is like yoga, obviously, eat well, sleep well, don't watch TV, don't be on your phone, You know, any of it. Do work that you care about, talk to your parents, You know, talk to your kids, talk to your brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. get in the sunshine, you know, sleep with the window open, fresh air, Mm -hmm. all of this stuff. It's so simple. Um, How you get there is you almost have to just like write all that stuff down and do it for a day because you will just feel the zing, you know, and it's not my words that you need. It's the feeling from inside that this is the way, you know, Mm -hmm. this is obviously the way and it is you try it and it is. Uh, if you haven't tried it yet All I can say is uh, Try it you know, Try it right now <laughs> Just go open the window Take a big breath And I bet you If you take five breaths You're gonna t- And then take s- stock Of how you feel The answer will be like Oh yeah this is probably the way You know yeah. If you do yoga for five minutes And breathe You'll probably go Yeah that's the way Yeah If you eat healthy for a day When you wake up the next day You're gonna go Yeah that's the way Yep Walk in the sunshine Yep Hang out with the family Yep absolutely Oh I haven't watched TV in a week yeah I actually don't feel very anxious uh, I haven't watched anybody get shot in a week. It's great <laughs> you know <laughs> like right. yeah. it's just it's simple um, mm-hmm. so yeah there's a there's a barrier between the uh the healthy stuff and the way that everybody seems to be living right now and a lot of it is advertising and profit margins. Oh, yeah. we've been sold this way of living. it doesn't happen naturally. Mm-hmm. it's been specifically cultured for us and here it is, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So waking up, waking up to that and coming out of it has been so rewarding. But I don't even want to, like, highlight that or focus on it because it's not, like, a huge negative thing. It's just the way the world is. It's human nature with elements and time, you know. So uh, we're just going to have to take our conscious awareness of this thing and seeing the potential of what we can be and just dream a little bit and walk for a little while. And uh, we'll get there, you know. We still have a bunch of the more animalistic elements of our human nature controlling the majority of the resources on the planet. Um, and I don't think that's going to last too much longer.
2: So I think it's a, a, a mindset shift. If I, if I think about my own experience um, with something like meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, there've been periods of my life where I, you know, have tried for five, ten days in a row to sit down and meditate for five minutes. And I hate, you know, maybe I like it the first day or the second day, but then all of a sudden I just, I I don't, I don't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't. And, and then even if I keep up with it, you know, three, four days, just that fourth day, fifth day, I'm like, Oh, I'm done with
0: this. We, uh, two, two questions. Uh, were you legitimately comfortable or were you kind of like sitting cross-legged on the ground? Like,
2: well, well, so here's, here's the difference. I, at one point I, I tried to start a meditation routine and it, it clicked and I tapped into what you were just speaking about of, you know, sitting down and realizing, Oh yes, this is it. Mm-hmm. But, but the, the difference was I just, I wanted to be in it so much. I want, I wanted to do it. Whereas, you know, Previous attempts, I, I kind of wanted to want to do it. Uh-huh. If that makes any oh, sense. Yeah. Um, so it's a mindset shift. I mean, people can do yoga every single day for health benefits and hate every minute of it, but they just force themselves <laughs> to do it. Sure. I, I think there's a mindset element. Yeah, I of like that. This.
0: Yeah, it's val. There's a value judgments thing, um, and that's kind of our last conversation <laughs> and how we got ready to break into this one. I, I take your point. Um, that's kind of.
1: Well, can I jump in, Garrett?
0: Yeah, yeah. Kind
1: of going back to the suffering and suffering well. I mean, meditation for a lot of people, I would say, and it sounds like you're describing this, Dave, is is suffering. Sitting still, not carrying a conscious thought, trying to quiet your mind. Everything in the world right now is telling you not to do that. Mm. So yeah. if meditation is difficult, maybe it's time to meditate on why meditation is difficult.
0: Hmm. Sure.
2: I think, yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, if I think about it, actually, Naval Ravikant has this meditation practice where he wakes up every day and he just sits down for an hour mm. and that's all he does. No stimulation whatsoever. He just sits down for an hour and whatever.
0: Eyes, can think, eyes closed inside his mind or like just sits in a chair, eyes open, looking around the room?
2: Um sits in a chair but probably facing the wall or sits on the floor facing the wall and you can he can think he can he can do whatever he wants but he can't you know do anything he do whatever mm. he wants in his mind okay and he's you know says you know within 15-20 minutes you kind of you kind of clear out the inbox and then you're just left with space I like it and and I think that's really terrifying for a lot of people and if I think back oh, to yeah. you know when I when I failed at meditation it's because you know a lot of the things that I was doing in my life um I was I was tricking myself into thinking that that was a good thing that I wanted to do. And the only w- way I could continue that lie is to just keep the noise in my head as loud as possible so as to drown out that inner voice saying, what the hell are you doing?
0: <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Well, that's very good metacognition and awareness of self, you know, like you're thinking about your thinking process and identifying the little gremlins running around telling you <laughs> lies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: But that noise is that noise is very loud. It comes from a lot of different directions. And
0: well, I uh, I can tell you right now why meditation is important, and uh, I can line up some of this stuff. So, first of all, one of the nice ways to meditate is come up with like a motif. Some people like an ice cave. Some people like a forest. Whatever. Um, I like the stream because the stream is useful to me. Uh, the stream is moving nice and soft, and not a whole lot of ripples. And a thought, like, when I get quiet, I'm just, I am the space, the stream. The stream is my mind, basically, and there's no thoughts. And as soon as there's a thought, it's a stone, and the stone drops in the stream and makes ripples, you know. Um, and those ripples ha- are like little thought things, you know. I think, uh, oh, I have to do this thing tomorrow. Plans, every direction, ripples, you know. Um And but I'm meditating, there aren't supposed to be thoughts, there are supposed to be no stones. But the stone has come and fallen in, and there are ripples. And as long as I am thinking those thoughts and present in those ripples, they stay. And as soon as I let go of the stone, the ripples die away, and I'm back clear in the stream. You know, sometimes thousands of stones fall, sometimes it's no stones, you know. But this beautiful motif that I have helps me see, helps me get quiet really quick and then I get to reap the benefits of this talent, this skill of getting quiet really quick everywhere in the world. When I'm out, I'm, we're training new people in. Uh, some of the Xenodyme uh, folks, we're training them for a couple of things, including Ninja Science Academy. And so some of these folks training are getting to watch how I react, not like how I think, they know how I think, but how I react to little things. Mm-hmm. And they're really surprised by how truly quick I react things thoughts stimuli like one of them will point at something i've seen it thought it all out they begin a sentence and i'm just like yep and they're like i was like yep i know <laughs> like, and it's because of that silence you know mm-hmm. they're generally even when i have my eyes awake and I, my eyes open and i'm awake and i'm acting there aren't a bunch of stones anymore hmm. and so when they do come i can grab them in my hand and use them very well
1: hmm. when did you start cultivating this in your life Garrett?
0: Uh, probably my first tick not Han meditation. Uh, he's a Buddhist monk. I'm holding one of his books in my hand. Uh, if you're interested, looking him up, it's spelled T-H-I-C-H. Middle name Nut Nhat, N-H-A-T. Last name Han H-A-N-H. Uh, some of the best meditations in the world. But uh, his five-part one that uh, I'll, I'll go through it. It changed my life. I wrote it on a piece of paper, taped it up next to my bed for a year, right when I was about 20, 21. And it is as simple as this. You say something every time you breathe in, and then you say the opposite of it when you breathe mm-hmm. out. This one is five long. Some of his meditations are 35 long. Uh, and they're very, very intense, some of them. Mm-hmm. This one is like almost like written for my spirit. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, I know I am breathing in. I know I am breathing out. I see myself as a flower. I feel fresh. I see myself as a mountain. I feel strong. I see myself as still water. I reflect things as they are. I see myself as space. I feel free. And you repeat each one as many times as you need to before you move on. You repeat it until you feel the click and the relaxing and the acknowledgement of, yes, I feel like a flower. I am fresh, you know. Um, And if it takes between five and Five and 30 minutes depending on how scattered you are and I did that every day for a year and I mean it's probably a little dramatic to be like and the modern me was born you know but <laughs> like it, that, that was a time of lots of hot yoga lots of introspection um, I picked up the guitar uh, I think a year before that um, so this was actually 22-23 because I picked up the guitar a year before that um, okay. so it all just my whole life just kind of came together right around this time um, in no small part due to the meditation.
1: Yeah, I think that's about the time, if I remember correctly, that you and I were reacquainted because we knew each other growing up, but just tangentially. I mean, I didn't really know you very well, but at that phase, mm-hmm. I was back in Chicago and we started running in circles again. And now, oh, yes. look at us are on a podcast talking about how, we've tra- how our lives have been transformed.
0: Yeah, and the Royal Funk Machine has been reborn. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep, <laughs> love it. Uh, That's hmm.
2: reincarnation if I ever saw it. Mm-hmm. So, Garrett, where can people find out more about what you're doing?
0: Oh, uh, well, they can find us at uh Zen, well, Z E N A D I G M dot com. like paradigm, but with Zen. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, we got our podcast up there. A bunch of good videos. Um, the meditation that we talk about on the podcast, I turned that into a medicine song. There's a video of that on the Zenodyme YouTube channel. So check that out. So, so Garrett, what
2: what was the motivation, or what was the drive, or what was the impulse to really delve into yoga and meditation, mm-hmm. and to and to take that those those you know eight verses and write them on your wall?
0: Well, I had that. Feeling, I had that moment that we were talking about before that you get when you really do the thing. I had the, aha, oh my gosh, this is it moment. Look Mm. at this feeling I have from just repeating, I I see myself as a flower. I feel fresh. What I was brought to was a time when I was hanging out with a bunch of folks uh, like Curtin and Brad uh, in Brad's garage. And it started pouring rain in the summer. And everybody went into the garage. We were outside. Everybody went into the garage. And I was standing there, and I was like, this is not the place to be. There's, And I walked outside, and it was a torrent. And it was warm, warm as could be, the, the rain. Mm-hmm. And I walked back, looked up, opened my eyes, or closed my eyes, opened my arms, and just let it hit me, this warm rain that felt like someone was pouring a bucket on every part of my body. And it's one of my nicest memories. And I start this meditation. I see myself as a flower. I feel fresh. I see myself as a flower. <sighs> I feel fresh. And after like a minute of it, it was just like, oh, I'm a flower in the rain. And then there was that rain again. And any stress washed away, any, you know what it feels like, that, that feeling, the it feeling that you mm-hmm. look for, I had it. And I was like, yes, this is what I want. And I actually wrote a bunch of different notes uh, on different days. And... Um, I didn't just have notes all over the ceiling, but for a while I would write something that meant something and uh, tape it on the ceiling. So when I opened my eyes in the morning, it would be the first thing I saw. And <laughs> it was just a reminder to get up and go get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think at one point it was like, uh, your brothers and sisters need you. Was just, <laughs> okay, I'll get out of bed, <laughs> you know? That and... Um, so there's the motivation which is the drive and then there's the blocks the things that are keeping you from it and you only get to do a thing if your drive is stronger than the blocks you know it's I don't mean to reduce it to such elementary mathematics but I think it might be as simple as that yeah. there are things in your way and you have a certain amount of momentum and when you have enough momentum to get over the thing or wisdom to go around it that's when you get to do the action you know so what I think I'd like to ask anybody is can you see what's in your way and can you see how to get around